All right. Well, welcome, everyone. Welcome to a live recording of the Avance podcast. And uh, thanks to America's Automotive Trust, LeMay, America's Car Museum, for having us. I'm Dan. And I'm Nick. And of course, you're not here for us. You're here for Rick. Great to be here. Great to be here. So, Rick, I mean, a lot of us know you from uh, some of the celebrity builds you've, you've made and, and looking around here, but can you kind of give us a little background on where you came from? Like, the question I always ask is, were you the kid with a thousand Hot Wheels or Legos as a kid? No. No? No. Okay. Uh, you know, I grew up, a little background about myself, I grew up in New York, uh, in the city, the Lower East Side of Manhattan, and, uh, you know, I was raised in an Irish Catholic family, and... Uh, I always wanted to get out of New York and come west when I was very young. So I hitchhiked out here back in 71. Uh, it wasn't uncommon to see people up and down the ramps hitchhiking back then, college kids, guys in the service. And, uh, but that's how I got out here, uh, and that's where I'm from. The neighborhood I grew up in, you know, uh, going to school was like going through a war zone. I've never been to war, but it was a, you know, it was a, it was a pretty rough neighborhood, and uh, there weren't a lot of cars. We took trains, the subways, played in the subways. Uh, the only guys that I remember that had cool cars, the cool guys, were guys who had made it back from Vietnam. They'd get back, uh, if they made it back. Uh, one week, the next week, they'd apply for a GI loan, and the week after that, they'd be out at English Town, Jersey, at the drag strip or National racing that same car, whether it was a GTO, a Firebird, a Chrysler. Those are the guys that had the cars that were cool back then in the 60s. So, uh, yeah, uh, it wasn't until, you know, I was taping pictures of Ed Big Daddy Roth out of the Hot Rod magazines and, you know, the, the, the wax packs of the Bonneville cars. I taped them on my bedroom walls, but, uh, you know, there wasn't a big car scene. So it wasn't until much later for me. It kind of drew you in. You had to go out and find that, that kind of literature and things like that. But you knew you had a love for cars, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I knew that. Uh, you know, I remember I had a couple of uncles, and uh, one would, he always had a Cadillac. And uh, I remember the smell of the leather. And even today when I get into a, a, an older car, even a newer car, that leather smell brings me back to that time you know, the sense awareness of uh, the smell and the inside of a car, you know. Uh, so, yeah, that's what, that's, I think, what turned me on. That's what rung my bell. I think that, that power of smell in automotive is something like, my memory of my grandfather is his big Cadillac, like that driving around in that car. So I understand that totally, yeah. I want to ask you about some of your design influence, your beautiful flowing lines, and I've read and I've listened to some interviews you've done. Where did you get your love for French design and that French influence? Where did that come from? You know, I'm really, um, uh, you know, I seen the 165 Delahaye uh, in the 80s uh, after it was found and restored uh, at the Barrett-Jackson, back when Barrett-Jackson was really an auction to go to for me. It was all of the old vintage cars. There weren't, you know, there weren't muscle cars. Well, they really weren't vintage back then, but uh, they really had killer cars. They were Auburns, Cords, you know, all the French cars. And I seen the 165, and uh, I didn't know what it was or who built it. I learned later that it was Fagoni and Falashi, but that's really what attracted me to French cars was the Art Deco cars of Sauchek, Fagoni and Falashi, you know, all of the French uh, coach builders and designers, yeah. Very cool stuff. 
of all your designs, I've been we got in early today, so we had a chance to just browse around and really, really admire some of the designs you have. And I have to ask, it's probably like asking, pick your favorite child, but has there been a design where you just grow back to it and you're like, man, this one, this one is where it's at? Like, do you have a favorite of your own? The Aquarius. Yeah. Yeah. Up until uh, we built the Aquarius, uh, I people would ask me that, and I and I would just say, well, the the current one that I'm building. Yeah. It's always my favorite. But when, I, when we, uh, and I say we because it was a team, I am not a metal shaper. That was, body was by Marcel and Luke. I was there every step of the way, and from the skeleton, from the design to the skeleton to the end result, uh, which we did at my shop. Uh, but it would be that car. Uh, I had it for three years. James was recording and on tour and whatever he was doing. Uh, so uh, I got to keep whatever cars I wanted. So I kept that one for, uh, actually, I think it was almost four years. And I put probably 900, 1,000 miles on it, uh, just up and down Pacific Coast Highway and the Carlsbad, San Diego, North County area. So that would be my favorite. In fact, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I thought, wow, I had a rolling chassis. That's a chassis, you know, a frame, two rails. Uh, with a drivetrain, and it's all powder-coated, really was nice. And I had that. I didn't have a project for it. And I thought, wow, what a shame. That's the only Aquarius that will be built. So I've got, I was up at uh, James's a couple of weeks ago, and I got the skeleton for this car. Uh, and you'll see in the pictures what a skeleton is. And I brought it back to uh, Marcel's, and uh, we're going to build another one. That's going to be for me. Uh, it's going to be radically different from the doors back. It's going to be more like a Bugatti. It's going to be round. The headlights will be different. There won't be side pipes. It'll be a different color, but it'll be, you'll look at that and go, wow, that looks like the Aquarius. Uh, so I'm going to do that. I'm doing it for myself, but I would really like to do it for somebody else. So if there's somebody out there that can't live without the Aquarius, I'll have it done in a year, year and a half. So we're good. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about that design process, and, and right. we can use James as, a, as an example. Right. Um, you know, does somebody come to you and say, I want to build a car, I have an idea, or is it, it you're sitting down going, this is the platform I want to start with? Like, what did you start with with Aquarius? Like, what was the... Well, you could look at the Aquarius and see it was influenced by the 165 Delahaye. There's no doubt about that. Um, my, all my cars have to have three things, for sure. They have to have style. They have to have grace, elegance, actually four things, and most of all, attitude. They gotta have that aggressive look and uh, longer wheelbase, longer body, chopping the top, or in that case, not chopping the top, building the windshield frame so it looks lower and has that look. The lean on the grill is the same lean as the chrome Duval windshield. If you look at the grill, stand back and look at the grill, how it's angled. It's angled just like the, uh, like the, the doors, the front of the doors and the windshield frame. So that gives it rhythm. I call it rhythm. You know, that gives it the look. And uh, that's what my cars have to have. You know, I, you know we all see cars. You, you look at some of them that were customized. And I'm not trying to sound critical at all. I mean, the cool thing about custom cars or hot rods, uh, there's a big difference between the two, is it's an extension of that person. You know, I mean, uh, so it's all good. Uh, but some cars I've looked, stood back and I've looked, especially like in Europe, 
uh, or the East Coast, and you wonder what, what, they, what were they thinking. Many a time I've been at a car show and gone, okay, well, that's somebody's interpretation. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, basically, I mean, if somebody comes to you, I mean, do they, have, do they need to have a basis or do they say, I want to have your, I just want to own one of your cars kind of thing? Your question. Right. Okay. Uh, Circle back. The, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, there was two cars, uh, a Mark II, uh, a Mark II, a 57 Mark II, that uh, a friend of mine, uh, he's, uh, he owned the largest tattoo supply company in the world, he was a retired cop, got a great history. Uh, he knew a bookie on Long Island in the 50s uh, that had a Mark II, okay. and he wanted to do a Mark II. His wife learned to drive a car on a 1950 Hudson. That was her dad's, so she wanted to do that. Those were the two requests. Uh, other than that, people usually just give me a free hand or they'll say, you know, I got this 53 Skylark, like when James and I were palling around, what can we do to it? And I'll come up with some ideas, but usually they go along with what, whatever the flow is, what I want to, you know. They trust your design yeah, vision and yeah, things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, it's all good. It, I mean, it, obviously those listening to the podcast, they can't see these cars. We're all sitting here staring at them. They're absolutely gorgeous. How did your relationship with James start? Like, obviously, a lot of these, this collection here is his. Yeah. You know, I'm really fortunate to have James for a friend. He's the most ground... You know, I've been around some, you know, uh, Hollywoodish or rock star people. And, and for those of us listening, uh, it, and Dan, how do you say his last name? It's James Hetfield. James Hetfield. Hetfield. He is the, the lead cool singer member of Metallica. Metallica. Yeah. For, okay. The one we like. The, yeah. voice, the <laughs> voice of Metallica, yeah. yeah. James is very grounded, and you don't find that a lot, uh, but he's really grounded. So I met him at a Moon Eye show. He showed up on Choppers with Jesse James, some male model that if I knew his name, you would recognize it. I don't remember his name. There were six or seven guys. Probably Derek Zoolander or something? No, yeah. Definitely. He came up to me. I was in a booth with a friend who had a booth, and uh, he stuck his hand out, and he said, Rick, I love your cars. I've been following you forever, and that's how we met. I surely knew who he was, and he said, give me a call. I gave him my card, and he called me a week later, and a week after, within two weeks, I was sitting at his dinner table, and we became friends. And then Metallica was out on tour. He invited me out on tour with him, which was an experience. And uh, while he was on tour, uh, this is before I moved to Henderson or the Vegas area. We were in Vegas at the Four Seasons and his bodyguard had just bought this Skylark back here, the skyscraper. It was stock, it was in a barn in Tennessee. And I, I remember that, him saying, you know, wow, I just pushed the click button and Geo's gonna, you know, send a wire him the money. We hung out that year and about a year later, I was up there, I think it might've been for Thanksgiving or something. Uh, we went down to this building he has called, he called it the grease pit. It's where he worked on cars and kept them stored. And uh, we rolled it out and he looked at me and says, you gonna help me with this or not? And you know, uh, I guess he was dropping hints that I didn't pick up on since he had bought the car. Uh, and my first thought was I, don't, I didn't want to ruin the friendship with, with business, but we did it. We were happy with the end result. And we, we went from there. We built 11 cars, or 11 or 12. So all radical customs. Uh, but you know, what I, uh, what I did all through the 80s, late 80s and 90s and the early 2000s, before I met Marcel, 
What I like to do, uh, my approach is I find a vehicle that Detroit gave us and stand back and, and how can I enhance the existing lines? Not kill those lines by chopping the top too much like I was saying before or God knows what, but how can I enhance those lines, you know? We're gonna chop the top three in the front and two and a half in the back. We're gonna do a horizontal section through the fender and through the skirts, three inches and drop it down. We're gonna drag out the back. So that's how I approach the cars. And uh, fast forward all those cars that I built uh, over that time, and there were a bunch. I met Marcel, and Marcel's the best metal shaper on the planet. Uh, you know, he'll uh, make a door and, you know, I mean, it's, I don't even know how to articulate it. He is so fast and so incredible. I mean, he's passed now, but it was passed on to Luke, his son. But while most metal shapers or car builders are trying to figure out how to hang those uh, hinges on a post and get the door open correctly, they've already done it. It's hinged and it's closing and it's latched. They're really fast. So we did the Aquarius in a year, and we did another car at the same time. It wasn't painted, but the chrome plating was done. It was driving. The interior was done. We showed it for a year in bare aluminum, and uh, then we painted it. And I, mean, I want to emphasize this. James drives these cars. These are not something that sits around. Like these are yes. Yeah. Yes, he's very hard on a car. Him and... Uh, one of the Oakland Raiders quarterbacks, I can't bring up his name right now, we're driving uh, the dead Kennedy over there, the Lincoln. And uh, they got T-boned. Uh, and he, they were driving it. And uh, he had it repaired and was driving it a month later. Uh, he's, he's a hardcore car guy. He, he's really a true car guy. Yeah. Well, you do have a presentation for the audience today. And uh, our listening audience, we will do our best to... Pretend you're here. <laughs> okay. Well, I just ran over a lot of it. Uh, but <laughs> well, well, now we can see it. Yeah. Uh, the car you're looking at there is a 51 Mercury. Uh, I built it, oh, God, I guess about 15 or 17 years ago. Uh, I built it for myself. Uh, I think out of the Mercuries, I love the 49 and 50s, but I prefer the 51s. I like the rear quarters, the, the tail end. It drags it out, it's not so round in the back. Uh, so we chopped the top on that, I think three in the front and four in the rear. We used the stock rear window. A lot of guys like to use the stock 51 Mercury uh, rear window, but I preferred using the, the stock 1950 rear window. The way it's lofted, the angle it's on is uh, very graceful. There's no humps. Uh, a lot of the guys, when they chop mercuries, prefer to have that catwalk below the rear windshield. It's about three inches, and it's like a bump. A strong character line, so to speak. Uh, I like it faster. I like that removed. You know, we built the flush-mounted skirts. We rounded some of the corners at the back. Did the hood scoops that I, I really love. Uh, I think there's a uh, DeSoto grill in there. Uh, there's been several Mercuries I've had. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's a 51. We painted it pagan gold. Uh, and it was a great car. Uh, 
This car we did on my television show. Uh, the first year was Lords of the Car Hordes. Uh, not my choosing for the name, but it was Discovery Channel. Uh, and the second year, it was uh, Rusted Development. And we built that car the second season. And uh, it, was, it had a great body. Uh, the engine was blown. Uh, it had a good body. It was a little banged up, but for, uh, it was, it was rust-free and there was a hoarder in, in the Anaheim area and we did the television show. We built that car in six weeks. Uh, it wasn't a fictitious car. It was a real car uh, that was built in that, in that time frame that we set on the television show as well. It's a 37 Lincoln Zephyr, uh, just like the Voodoo Priest. Uh, maybe not as radical. The top is chopped. Uh, we did some cool things to it at the back, flush mounted the skirts. Uh, if you look at my cars, especially the 30s cars, and you look at the rear fenders, and you look at the fender skirt line, my fender skirt line, the cutout for the fender skirt, when you remove it, 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 it shows it a lot more, obviously, when it's removed, and it's just that black space in the tire. But you could see I always follow the top of the fender line, so it all flows in the right direction. Uh, they, ori they originally had rounded uh, flush-mounted skirts on them, so we changed that. We did the rockers, the Coke bottle style of the rockers, and uh, Art Himsel painted it for us. I mixed up the pearl. Uh, I'm known for pastels, although I'm starting to change a little bit to the darker colors, uh, but that was a great... I was going to say, you love root beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that was James's idea, but I went along with it, and it was it's really... Gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, okay. It's a high-maintenance color. I think that's why I like the pastels so much, you know. The Aquarius, the skyscraper, you could wipe it down with a damp rag and walk away. You can't do that with the, darker, with the, with the reds or the root beers or the blacks. I mean, they're, you know, by the time you get to the back of the car, when you start at the front, you may as well walk to the back or walk to the front. Actually, I was going to ask you one thing. I would love to hear it. You said you finished that car in six weeks on the yeah. show. Yeah. Did you guys actually... I've always wondered that with a lot of the TV shows. I talk right. to different people. Right. It's Movie like magic. Six weeks yeah. or six months. But six right. weeks when we got on the show. This was, this was real. This was, awesome. all, all of the bills on that show were authentic. And that was part of the agreement I had with Discovery Channel. No uh, disrespectful drama love that it. you see. Yeah. Uh, no use of the F word. And uh, that the cars have to be built in that time. I didn't want to put out there you know, fictitious BS. And so that car, uh, that Zephyr was, all the cars were built in six weeks. I love the integrity behind so, that. Yeah. It's cool to know. Uh, yeah, tell us about this one. So this is a Lincoln Zephyr. It's got a bit of a story behind it. We bought it in Northern California. I was talking to James. Uh, I was on the phone talking with him and I said, you know, I, I, I want to do a Zephyr one of these days. We had been seeing Zephyrs around at the good guys shows and I, I guess I planted the seed. He called me up an hour later, and he says, let's do a Zephyr, and, uh, and he found it. And the story was... Your subtle hints hit him better than his hints yours. Excuse me? When he was hinting to you, he wanted you to work on your, your, his cars. Yeah, you, this you was pretty better. blunt. Yeah. Uh, he obviously wanted to do it because I wanted to do it, but regardless, it was, it was, it was nice. Uh, but the story was uh, of uh, a guy owned this car in the 50, late 50s and 60s. He was a younger guy, and he got shipped off to Vietnam uh, and came back, and it was in the same spot next to a, a trailer home that his mother lived in, and there was railroad tracks 
the story was the last time his mother seen him, he was hopping on a freight train and she never seen him again. That car sat in that spot forever. We found out about it, uh, bought it, and uh, we went after it. Uh, we chopped the top. You know, if you look, we leaned the headlights back a bit. So we cut out right there where the headlight is, the back of the body of the headline. This messing this up. Uh, we sectioned it and tilted it back more. So the headlights, and if you look at the back of the side grill, the ornamental grill on the hood, and you look at the door, it's all going the same way. The lean is the same. And that's what I talk about when I say rhythm uh, from bumper to bumper. Uh, most people don't know it. The door is vertical at the back of the door, but if you look, it does have a lean on it, so the cut flows right into the B-pillar, or well, the rear quarter sail panel, that really doesn't have a B-pillar, but it just jives with the rest of the car. And uh, a lot of people miss that, but if you really pay attention, study, study these cars, there's a lot of thought that went into them. Yeah, we were walking around and the, the more we looked, the more we saw. We see yeah. a lot of cars, so it's fun to pick the details apart as we're like, what's different, what's mm -hmm. different? And there's so many on these cars and they're all right. real big efforts, but for small details that really matter. Yeah. This is somewhat a detailed question, but on this car here, what did you use for the headlights? It's, it's a material I'm not used to seeing uh, over headlights. Uh, it, was a, it was like a two-part epoxy, but it was acrylic. Okay. okay. So it was poor, a, a mold was made, and uh, it's frosted, obviously, and they poured the mold, and that's what we ended up with. It's awesome. I was just, you know, as far as the, finding the details, like Dan said, it was just, I was drawn to that, so. I think it's different in a good way. Uh, you know, uh, it wasn't just something we added to the car. It was, some thought was put into it. We wanted to do something that was, you know, a little bit aside from the rest of the 37 Fords. And that's what we did. Uh, so yeah, this, paint, this car was painted by Art Himsel, this 37 the Lincoln, the voodoo priest. Uh, the interior was all uh, black mohair. It's all Art Deco if you look inside it. it it's really a beautiful car. Uh, a question I have, and this is something simple. How do you name these cars? Well, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, back in the early 90s, when I did uh, a 57 Buick, we named it Lavender Persuasion. I don't know where I got that idea. Uh, I know John D'Augustino built a car called a Midnight Sensation. It was a 51 Merc in the early 80s. Maybe I got it from that, but the cars take on their own personality. And a lot of the names fit these cars. So in the 57 Buick case, it was a, we named it Lavender Persuasion. Because when you looked at it in the daylight, when the sun was right or wrong, depending on whether you prefer pink or not, it looked pink. But under what I call the streetlights, crime lights, because that's what they were called in the early years of them, uh, it looked lavender. And the car really was lavender uh, with silver pearl in it. And, uh, you know, I was trying to explain to people, look, this isn't, you know, uh, pink. It's lavender. So we named it Lavender Persuasion. Uh, did the same with another car called Breathless. Named the cars all through the 90s. And I was running out of names. I was going through astrology books and atlases and trying to find names that fit cars. And uh, then James, James named all of these. So, yeah. It's, it's funny because when you look at the names and you look at the car, it just makes sense. Right. But, yeah. Right.
Okay, there's the Skylark. Uh, I, I went over that pretty much. That is a true Skylark. There's never been one that we have found that's been built. Uh, I know uh, 60000 was paid for this car to start with, and I had never started off with a car to cut up that I paid sixty grand for. Uh, but I'm not uh, a rock star. But yeah, that, that was, and it's a great car. Uh, that's the Black Pearl. That's the first car we did with Marcel. Uh, James and I wanted to do a car that was from the 30s that was a fastback that looked like a concept car. And we couldn't find any that were done in all the old books. And we had a 48 Jag. And the body was really flimsy. It was a right steer, so it came from, from the UK. And I don't know if it was because it was post-war or whatever, but the metal was flimsy. So we sold the body, we had the chassis, and we winged this with Marcel. Marcel had ideas and I had our ideas. So that's what we came up with. But there wasn't any, that was the only car we built with Marcel that there wasn't a rendering. Uh, and again, you know, if you look at the lean on the grill and you look at the lean on the windshield frame and the post, it, you know, it's, it, it has rhythm, even the, uh, you know, the flush-mounted skirts. Here's a good example. If you look at the line, it follows the line of the real fender. And that's, if, if I'm remembered or known for anything, that's what I would like to be known for. Uh, that It's a wonderful detail that you just don't see. You're right. It, there's a classic cut that, that comes off with those fender shields. Okay. Uh, this is the Aquarius diagram. Uh, we wing the black pearl uh but we were really walking on thin ice with it uh, yeah i was gonna say that a lot of people i think who aren't in the restoration world don't think of the rendering they, they just like right. you have an artist and you've got you know a big hammer and some bondo and ta-da and that's what we used to see honestly a lot of and we right. all know we saw a lot of that this is not that this is a very very intricate process i'm really glad you brought this photo up well th that's one way of building a car with a lot of bondo i mean you know, whatever. It's it's all good. Uh, it's it's. Yeah, I, I prefer the other the other yeah. going the other way yeah. that path. So this is the Aquarius. Uh, I didn't have the 165 Delahaye in front of me. I just went over this with Eric Brockmeyer with a car like this and the other cars. Uh, there's a lot of other coach built cars that we built. Seven others that were mine uh, that are now out in the world. But we use renderings through them all because if you don't use a rendering with the coach built car, when you're starting out with two frame rails, that's the red that's outlined there. That's the frame. And it shows you the diagram of the rear wheels, the diameter of the rear, rear wheels, excuse me. It's got a 124 inch wheelbase. That's the center of the wheel at the front to the center of the wheel at the back. So you need that for length. Otherwise, when you build one of these cars, uh, Maybe not Marcel, but I know he's done it before where he opened up the door after it was done and the brake and throttle pedal were right there. They weren't forward. So you have to have a diagram, uh, a rendering done like this so the, the firewall is in the correct spot. The lean on the grill is correct, again. Uh, the windshield frame, the whole thing. And they build the body out. First they build the skeleton and then they build they shape the metal over the skeleton, and then they cut the skeleton away. And I have the skeletons for all of these cars. Uh, in fact, the Aquarius, you know, I thought a few years ago, it would be a shame to just do one of these cars. So I'm not cloning the Aquarius, but I went up to James's a couple of weeks ago, and I got the skeleton. 
So from the doors back, it's going to be radically different. Uh, but it's essentially going to be like the 165. Like, it's going to be just like this with a different color, different headlights, no side pipes, different taillights. And the back end, where you're looking at the back end and it comes down like this and the deck lid's right here, it's going to come in like this. It's going to round. And the car's a third done. I'm building it for myself, but I would love... I would love to build it for somebody else, so if there's anybody who can't live without the Aquarius, it'll be done in a year. Talk to me after the show here, and uh, we'll hook up. But yeah, uh, the, rent, the stick man in there, you have to have all that done. So the car is not only a turntable car, uh, but is a driver as well. It's got an LS3 engine in it. It's all Corvette drivetrain. It sounds great. Uh, and it rides, you could do 80 crossing railroad tracks sideways in that car. It is an incredible ride, and I just about have. So here's the skeleton. Uh, you see some of it exposed, uh, the three-quarter inch tubing. That is built over the chassis. And then you build, or first you build the floor in the chassis, then you start with the skeleton. So this is in progress. You could see the shape of the top of the rear fender. It hasn't been TIG welded where the seams are halfway through, but they're built in pieces. So if you look at, if, if you and I took off that uh, fender of the Aquarius, it's about nine feet long, I think. We could take it off and hold it up to that other rendering on the wall, because you blow that up to scale. And you could hold that fender right up to that scale rendering and it would fit. Uh, and that's how it's built. That, that, you know, I mean, it's right on. And you got a pretty good idea when the skeleton's built of what the car is going to look like. And uh, so that's it. It's an aluminum body, by the way. There it is, more finished off. We're getting into, you know, we're two-thirds of the way done. Uh, again, you could see, again, with the, with the skirt off and the wheel and the, the contrast of nothing there versus the body line, you could see the top of the fender the back of the car and the skirt line, it all follows the same, you know, it, it's all got rhythm. This is such an art that is unfortunately being lost on a lot of the young kids is shaping metal like this and making custom cars. So it's yes. lovely to see this happen. Um, yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, that's arcs back to LeMay and, and the RPM Foundation trying to get people to come out here. So much of the young generation doesn't understand what it takes to make a car like this. And so yeah. it's incredible. It, it really is. These guys are definitely the high priests of custom cars, yeah. they, they really are. Uh, it's a very unique uh, talent, art, it's just incredible. Uh, but we polished that fender, scuffed it up so you could see uh, the contrast. It's the same material, only one scuffed up, but you could see the skirt line and it's very pleasing to the eye. You got all that beautiful aluminum. It almost makes me not want to see it painted. I wonder how, besides well, ma maintaining it would be a nightmare, but other than that. We showed it for uh, several shows, several months, almost a year, I guess, in bare aluminum with the chrome done, the interior done, because the interior is all removable. And then we painted it. And people are like, well, why are you going to paint it? It, looks, it does look killer when it's, you know, scotch-brighted the whole body and it's even. Uh, but you get tired of that. 
you, know, you, you do. You get tired of it. And it's high maintenance. Every fingerprint turns black on the car. And it's just not like wiping it down and taking the Scotch-Brite. It's a, it's a three-step process, and it's a pain in the rear. It really is. So, uh, but that's it. You get an idea of what the car is looking like. We set this up with the rendering in the background just for this shot so people could see. You could see the horizontal bars where the hood side is, the side of the hood, the line of the skirt, the lean on the grill, the grill surround there. There's another part of the, that's what I just went up and picked up. Uh, that's the front fender skirt. So the aluminum is shaped over that, and I was talking about, I got lost there. The front, that fender on the Aquarius is nine pieces nine pieces all tig welded if you turned it over it looks like stains the welding is flawless i mean luke is quite the tig welder uh and yeah that's that's my favorite car that's why i'm doing another one and i would like to do it for somebody else who could appreciate it i like the process of the build and i like the end result here's another shot question i mean uh, to you and we've talked to several you know unique car builders like this, and this is something that's kind of narrowing down. You're building this for a rock star. Something's in it, or is no. this just about enjoying the car? No. Okay, that's what no. I thought. No. The insides of these cars, you know, I wouldn't put a digital stereo in it or even no. an old style. It wouldn't fit with the look of these cars. The most contemporary, modern, so to speak, thing we have is the, is the Corvette drivetrain, which is, which is great. And it doesn't look like a Corvette under there, but... Oh, you're, you're, you're building and driving a car like this to do right. that. Yeah. Here's the door. You can see the, the curvature on the front of the door, how it flows right into the windshield frame, the chrome windshield frame. Those crisscross bars uh, all get cut away and removed. Uh, there's inner structure in there that looks much better than that uh, for safety. Uh, but that was just for the the body. That's how they build the doors. Uh, they skin the, the, the surround part of the doors. They do the flange over. They build the inner structure to hold it before they cut it away and then they skin the doors. Are you held any standards as far as something being on the, on the road as far as safety? and putting, you have to put anything in that? Okay. No. No, not, well, I, I know in Jersey and Pennsylvania, or at least Jersey, I think, you have to have a physical way to get into a car. So you see a lot of the customs back there that have the old Lincoln, I forgot what year, the Lincoln push buttons yeah. where you just push it in. This is the car at the shop. Uh, it's, it's pretty much done here. The fender was off uh, and the windshield frame was made. And that is it. That's what it looks like close when it's uh, finished off in aluminum. You could drive that without a windshield. I mean, yeah. it's just the flow is so gorgeous. A lot of people didn't realize that seeing it before it was painted and after that it was painted because it looked almost as nice in the bare aluminum as it did. There's the windshield frame tacked together and you're looking right there uh, before chrome plating, you're looking at about $17,000 for that windshield frame. And there it is in bare aluminum uh, at the Grand National Roadster Show. It's on a turntable. That was the first time we had shown it. And you could see how nice it looks with just the chrome plating uh, enhancing some of the lines. Boy, don't turn too sharp. 
Yeah, I was going to say, how does that work as far as, I mean, you're driving with skirts on the front of the car. Is that an issue or you just take your time? Simple. The backspace on the wheels in the front are tucked in two inches. Okay. So even with the skirts off, with the body off, you can't tell the difference when you're looking at the profile, the side of the chassis and the, and the uh, not the profile, but the side of the chassis and the wheels, you cannot tell it's tucked in two inches. And that two inches is all the, all the difference in the world. Uh, any one of my pickup trucks that are newer have the same turning radius as this. Okay. I mean, you could do a U-turn in here easily. I mean, you could do a U-turn in here with two-thirds of the space. Uh, and it's on AccuAir, Air Ride. So you just push a button and it lays it out where it looks best in show. You push number two and it raises it up for ride height. So you could cruise down the freeway, like I said, doing 80, go over speed bumps. And there's another button, the third button, uh, or letter number three, that raises it up higher to load it onto trailers or transports. And that is... Uh, that's in front of my house uh, on the Pacific Coast Highway, right on Highway 1. I lived just this side of it, or did, and uh, it was a great place for photo shoots. It's uh, right at Tamarack Beach, and uh, that's it right there. And uh, they're telling me I got five minutes and 20 seconds left. You're good. Uh, these are the taillights on the uh, Aftershock. You can Google Rick Door Aftershock and you'll see this car. Uh, this is another car that I'll probably build, hopefully after the uh, car that's similar to the Aquarius, because uh, I have the bucks for this too. And I would change the back on this as well. But this car has really got a, it's got a gangster look. It's really, it's really got. So talk about your design of, of what, what brought you to this taillight, how, how that came about. It fits the car. It fits the car. It fits the car. It, it's diamond shaped. Uh, elegant, uh, different, and not for the sake of just being different. I took a uh, piece of cardboard, cut out a template, what I thought would work, and handed it to uh, little Louie, who is a master fabricator with uh, brass. And, uh, and we made the lenses at my shop. It's just poured acrylic and we put the prism inside so when it lights up, it looks authentic. It doesn't look like something poured. How much do you have to source out and how much do you fabricate in-house? There's no miracle shop. You know, I would like to thank all of the guys that I've been fortunate with, fortunate enough to work with, from Bill Reeser and, you know, I, all of the big names uh, that people would recognize. I'm, I'm not going to drop names, but I've been fortunate to be hooked up with all of them. Marcel does my metal work. I don't know anybody else. Uh, who could do it in the world on the time frame and at that level. You've seen it in bare aluminum on the yeah. turntable. You can't even see the welds in it. You'd have to really have a good eye. They look like stains. So Marcel does the bodies. There's no miracle shop at my place. We do all of the finish, the blowing apart when it's an existing car. Or in this case, we blow it all apart for the paint, assemble it. I make all of the chrome uh, with little Louie. And uh, we do the hinges, uh, the latch, all of that stuff, the drivetrain. Like I said, there's no miracle shop. I guess there's some shops that claim to be miracle shops, but I don't know any shop that could do the chrome plating, do the upholstery, do the paint, do the finish work, do the drivetrain, do all of what's involved on that level uh, to, bu to build a car on that level. It's, it's a lot uh, to take on. And 
surprisingly, you wouldn't, you, you look at it, that car appraised for $1.3 million. And I know what it took to pay, to, to build it. I was going to ask you that, how much are these cars going for? Yeah. Uh, I can't say that. I, the, the, if you Google Rick Dorr Shangri-La, that's a coach-built car that we built uh, for me. I wanted something with a shorter wheelbase and more sporty. More, excuse me, <clears throat> more sporty. Uh, I wanted the body looking like it was slung low, sitting inside the four wheels, and it, it had a ramjet engine in it, so it really rock and rolled. It really did. Uh, but it had the sound. Uh, it didn't sound like somebody pulling up to the line at a drag strip. And uh, that car sold for 540. So. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at steep money to build one of the cars, but surely not 1.3. It's a lot less than that. I can't throw out that number, but... Oh, no, I was just curious. I had to ask. For this car, the Aquarius I'm building, you would be, you know, before paint and upholstery, you'd be looking at 480. And it would be an investment for somebody. Somebody build a car like that, they would do well. Well, for a piece of art do, yeah, that's going to live on for a very long time. That's they would do well. You're, you're talking about a specific group of people that have the means. Well, yeah. yeah. Rock stars. Yeah, we get it. Well, I think we're going to kind of wrap it up here. I know you're going to stick around and, and talk to people here and, 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 and sign some things um, and answer any questions. So we really appreciate you taking the time to come down here and showing off your, your beautiful rolling art so thank you again i would like to say you know uh, i said this the last time i was here the second time i've been here you know when i walked in here uh, a couple few months back you know i thought wow a museum i'm not saying it cheapens a place by calling it a museum but you know the lemay really reminds me of a cathedral and i would you know this is a cathedral for me of automotive cars and art so this place is incredible the staff treat me like we're old friends i mean the staff is great i'd like to like thank david and you know emily and crystal and all all of the, all of the ones jake for uh chaperoning me both times so it's been great but this place is awesome and the staff is just as cool as the place so if you have any questions i'm be glad to answer them that's, that's all, folks. Yeah. Well, Rick, thanks again for being here. Audience, thank you for joining us. And thank you. Yeah. Thanks. And uh, check us out online, the Avance Podcast, we're on every channel, and we feature a lot of great people like Rick and a lot of his work. So, and for the audience, if you want to see more of Rick's work, of course, we will post it on the podcast page so you can see all the photos. Also, check out his Instagram. What is your Instagram? It's Rick Door. The Rick Door. The Rick Door. You Google Rick Door, the Instagram. Yeah. I'm not on Facebook, but I have a Facebook fan page. Oh, so cool. I just post pictures on, on Instagram. I and think Facebook. that's even better when you have a fan page and you're not on Facebook. They call it a fan page. I didn't. I mean, that's... You have plenty uh, of fans. This is a yeah. good point. Yeah. All right. Well, for the Avance Podcast, I'm Dan. And I'm Nick. And don't just get there. Enjoy the drive. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Appreciate you all coming down. Thank you very much. <laughs>